Okay, and welcome back to the MVP podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Tracy Tag. Uh, Tracy is the Director of Business Development for Learfield, uh, specializing at the uh, campus of UCLA and the Rose Bowl Sports Properties. A little bit of background on Tracy. Uh, Tracy is an executive leader with extensive experience in the professional sports and entertainment industries. Uh, she has prior experience working with entities such as Fox Sports, the Mark Cuban companies, Lincoln Park, AT&T, and a multiple array of sporting and entertainment organizations. Tracy, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm great, James. Thank you. It's great to great to chat with you again. Yeah, likewise. And I, I know this was a bit of a um, phone tag scheduling session here, and we, we have a, a pretty firm, hard stop today in uh, over the next 25 minutes. So we're just going to get right at it. And, um, you know, looking at your background, uh, obviously, you've specialized in sports and entertainment uh, across different properties and um, verticals. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, how you eventually settled in at, at Learfield and, and UCLA? Absolutely. So, you know, the interesting thing for me is I, I feel like I've come full circle. So my first, um, I started in media in Austin and my first sports job was at Texas, which was, which was a host communications company at the time now is, is owned by Learfield. So I've, oh, wow. I've come full circle from where I started. So I was at the Texas property and really got my, really got my lay, my, toe in the water of sports and trained and I was there during some of the amazing things it, some of the large RFPs where we took on more business not just men's athletics we took on women's at the time too yep um, then from there I had an opportunity to get into pro sports and move to the Dallas Mavericks and was there during um, prior to Mark Cuban but then when Mark Cuban took over the team and so we had obviously a lot of success. Um, I was there probably five years. And so my roles in both places have been sponsorship, including media and print, all, all of the media, all of the advertising and, and marketing. So, um, but from there, I kind of got bored with Dallas and had an opportunity to go work for my first ever sales manager. So all my stops have been really interesting and um, tied together. I've, you know, one interesting fact, I, I've never, I've never um, had a recruiting agency or anything. Mine has all been just through my network and, and keeping in touch with folks. So, so that's, that, a, good that's a little way. strange fact. <laughs> yeah. No, I have, it's, yeah. So um, I got back into media and I really enjoyed the media side because the pace of the pace of the business is very quick. But sure. I soon got tie a little a little missing sports and had an opportunity to go work for Fox Sports and head up their national sales um, for all the Texas and Oklahoma teams. Um, and then I know it sounds like I've been so many places, but I definitely missed the West Coast and really took kind of a left turn, if you will. There wasn't an opportunity to move within Fox, so. I had met one of the gentlemen in the Rock Band Lincoln Park, and they had a need for someone with my skill set in business development, business deals. And so I was able to kind of round out my resume with entertainment and music by working for the management firm, the collective with Lincoln Park and some of the other um, celebrity talent as well. 
Um, and then I had a few consulting stints and landed at the marketing arm on the heading up the AT&T account. Um, and that was short-lived. We were starting an LA office um, for AT&T, but unfortunately, the, um, they lost the business. Um, but it was it was great. It was great to be on the agency side to learn more. Sure. And then, as I mentioned, I came full circle. I, I my boss at the time, at my boss right now, we had had so many contacts, and this position came up, and it just made sense with the Rose Bowl being not only a sporting venue for UCLA, um, it has the international soccer matches, which I have experienced, but also the music component. And so I'm primarily housed out of the Rose Bowl, but we also work with UC UCLA athletics, alumni, and campus. Wow. That, yeah. What a fascinating story. Yeah. Talk about full, full circle. You know, something that I like to say often is, you know, it's so hard. You know, we every day we try to connect the dots in the future and it's nearly impossible. Right. But uh, when you kind of take a retrospective in the past, you know, everything that kind of leads to your your present or your future always has a, a, a clear uh, distinction. And in the moment, you know, it's it's rarely identifiable. But uh, I think you're a perfect example of, you know, your past kind of navigating right to the, yeah. the place where you're supposed to be. So that's interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously here we sit in August of 2021. Um, we're ramping up for, um, you know, not only pro sports, but obviously collegiate sports and football and students coming back on campus. Um, you know, we were jo uh, talking before uh, the show here a little bit about some of the other speaking engage engagements that we've been a part of. And, you know, at that time, it felt like there was this, um, you know, real turning the corner moment for us in terms of where the uh, the pandemic or the endemic is now. And and right now we're, we're kind of seeing a, a small little surge in, in certain pockets of the country. Um, and so we're kind of, uh, you know, sort of on alert again, uh, I think it's uh, a little too soon to overreact, and I think most people are taking a, a wait-and-see approach. But, you know, with all of that said, um, can you talk to us a little bit about, especially with your tenure across properties and, and industries, in terms of sponsorship and, and brand partnerships, you know, where what have you seen a big shift? And, and call it maybe over the last five or even ten years of what was traditional um, what's the, you know, what things have turned into now? And then you know, what are some elements that we have to kind of prepare for, you know, for a situation that we're in right now? Great question. Um, and it very much of it pertains to your business, I would say. <laughs> so, um, you know, way back when I, when I was working for the Mavericks, obviously Mark Cuban bought the team and right. he was very digital coming from audio.net. Um, and at the time, I remember when I was working for host, a few of our top executives moved to audio.net before it was Yahoo. Um, and we, you know, I, I think I even said, what? You know, you thought it was a little strange because, you know, the Internet, everything was not as robust as it is today. Sure. We, you wouldn't even think. Um, but I think as the years have progressed, because of some of the folks I've worked for, were very digital focused. I had to ramp up my digital game sooner than I think a lot of people have. So rounding out now, I would say, you know, you have your traditional sponsorships, but with when you're talking about digital impressions or it's so much easier for a brand to evaluate and get immediate feedback, say, than a sign, a sign on a scoreboard. Right. And so while that presence is still very, very much important for the, the brands that, 
are able to one how do the investment level i think you know a lot of folks in my seat are having to pivot and learn more about the digital and while some people are understand social media because they participate the whole back end of it of advertising hits you know what's the best campaign click throughs i think there's a lot of folks in my industry that are are not as um uh, well-versed in it that are having to learn sure. and even more since COVID. So a lot of folks had to pitch it di digitally and learn because right. that's where everything was. And so I think, you know, to me, while it's just commonplace anyways, because I came up through those ranks, I think um, you'll see a lot more uh, folks with a wider skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, you had referenced something uh, earlier in your statement there that, you know, um, you're, you were of the, the generation of just sponsorship being signage, right, throughout a stadium or, or an event. And a few years ago, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Anheuser-Busch because I think what they did in their le leadership team is, you know, essentially they were the number one spend across, you know, not only the NFL but other uh, professional sports leagues. But, you know, what they – decided to do was really challenge the properties or the, you know, the brands or the teams, I should say, really, that, you know, they had already committed sponsorship dollars towards and challenge them and their, their team to say, hey, you know, we've been giving this amount of money for years now. And uh, although that the, the brand recognition is strong and the partnership is strong, how can we challenge you to think, in a, you know, through innovation and, and, and digital elements that not only can create much more of a memorable experience, but a, a real conversion opportunity to, I think what they called it, uh, liquid on lips, right? You know, uh, they, they need to sell beer and a sign, you know, may or may not arguably do that, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I thought it was a, a really smart move. And, um, you know, personally on the MVP side, we were able to work with them on an intimate level with the Washington football team and being able to bring digital assets on on the concourse in stadium that that really drove not only conversion but you know impressions and then ultimately driving revenue and, and being able to to sell beer essentially so um I, th I think you're you know you're spot on with you know what teams are going to be tasked with or or properties are going to be tasked with with really learning uh digital so so maybe talk to us a little bit about you know that moment in time say call it a year ago or a year and a half ago where you know everything was in this state of um unknown uh, did you have to explore into new technologies and in this may or may not relate to the sponsorship side of things, but, you know, what did you have to learn or where did you have to kind of really put some research and time into in, in you know, adapting to the, uh, the COVID era? So interesting enough, I, I had just, um, I had just started the Thanksgiving, just before the Thanksgiving, before the shutdown. So for me, I, I had a different experience during COVID because I was still onboarding basically I was trying to learn the Rose Bowl folks that I was going to work with, also UCLA. And so for me, much of it, the Zoom calls helped accelerate that opportunity. Sure. Um, in terms of technology, one of the things I did during COVID, because, you know, there, there were times you couldn't necessarily make, I didn't have a full account list. I was brought in to bring on new business and sure. manage. And so I signed up for a ton of webinars. Some I still have saved. Um, 
to just continue my learning. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful to folks like Adweek, yourself, and um, entities that were providing learning experiences through it um, to how to pivot digitally, how, you know, uh, just uh, the array of it. Um, you know, there was Facebook, who TikTok's the other one. I mean, sure. um, some of the different entities had a number of how do you market on TikTok. And so I used a lot of my time trying to keep up my learning on that uh, that aspect. From a Learfield perspective, one of the things that they had been prepping that ex they um, had already planned to launch was a retargeting platform. And so that's what we pivoted, uh, you know, some of the clients over to that type of, it's called Fan365. So we were able to do that. And, you know, again, you're talking about that, that was a platform that if you didn't come from a digital background, our salespeople needed to be educated. What's a retargeting okay. um, and how does, how is that measured? And so um, I think, you know, I, it's been, it'll be interesting because I, we're still not fully out of everything, but I sure. think we'll continue to pivot. And even from like a stadium standpoint, we had to do so much due diligence on, you know, a year ago, how were we going to open scanners? Are we going to have to have thermometers, you know, like, uh, technologies like Samsung and Clear would have, you know, how do they take your temperature, um, tracing people. So there's a lot of that technology that we dove into learning a lot about. Yeah, you know, on the operation side, it's um, what a difference a year makes because this time last year, I think a lot of properties were looking into, you know, uh, IV um, or infrared uh, robots yep. to scan facilities to, to, to work on sanitation. And, um, you know, now that we've learned from the science and, you know, taking other mitigating tools that, uh, you know, we don't have to make such um, stark investments into um, a day-to-day -day facility. Uh, I, I know here we're based in Philadelphia that I, I recently read that the uh, Wells Fargo Center, where the Philadelphia 76ers and the uh, flyers play um, as a part of their renovation. They were in flux. You know, this renovation was in process and then COVID paused it a bit, but they took the opportunity to use a capital expense into invest in a circulation system for indoors. And so, um, hmm. you know, that, that was, uh, I thought that was really unique and, and strategic on, on their end. So uh, I want to go back a little bit uh, two pronged here uh, for our listeners that may not be familiar with Learfield. Um, and, and notice I am, I, I know that Learfield went through a rebrand recently. I'm just saying Learfield, there was a name change there. So <laughs> talk to us a little bit about, you know, what Learfield, what and who Learfield is. And then I want to del delve in a little deeper on the Fan360 plat 365 platform and learn a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. So Learfield, we, um, we represent over just shy of 200 collegiate properties in athletics. We, uh, and so there's several pieces to Learfield. The side I'm on is the media and marketing rights, where we we work with schools and get the obtain the rights to have all of their marketing assets and be able to go and attract brands and bring them on board. So like a Honda, Westcom, State Farm, um, and we have over 200 or just shy of 200 collegiate properties, one in every state, um, and we work day in and day out with athletics. The other component to that is we have a campus plus, which is the campus side where we saw working with athletics, it, it made sense to start working with the campuses where we could. So mm -hmm. with that business is growing as well. And 
um, at UCLA, at our property in particular, we're a pretty unique one for Learfield um, in terms of we have the Rose Bowl, which is a venue that we represent then we have athletics ucla athletics but we also have the alumni rights and we have the entire campus so we have the ability to say bring in um you know frito-lay and put them across and include you know your traditional marketing assets but also distribution getting things in students hands so um i think you know, it, it, we're fortunate here because it's one-stop shopping. You can hit any demographic that you want to, sure. and we can, uh, you know, so, and the relationships are great. UCLA folks are great to work with and so are the Rose Bowl. So, um, sorry. Yep. No, go ahead. Uh, you know, you, you said something that, that piqued my uh, concern here. Um, knowing that, you know, Learfield's a little bit, or maybe UCLA is a little bit more unique into what a uh, university relationship looks like with Learfield. But you had mentioned um, Rose Bowl, athletics, alumni, and the actual campus. And so that would obviously mean student body and what that that interaction from class to class, event to event looks like. How have you seen, without dating myself, uh, you know, I recall, (laughs) you know, my college campus, there was virtually zero... Um, brand or sponsorship opportunities, or at least that were sort of out in the open. I, you know, this was a time in an era where outside of maybe credit card solicitations were on campus, which I believe are no longer uh, allowed. But talk to us a little bit about the branding or the sponsorship opportunity on campus. And if that's even a responsibility or, uh, you know, a definition of what you meant by managing the campus. It absolutely is. So um, I would say for UCLA, and I, I would probably say this because I worked at Texas too, I, UCLA, they are, they're very involved and they do things very clean and organic. So it's not just hanging up a bunch of signage and everything like that. There's, there's definitely customized plans. And I, to our earlier conversation, I mean, we know CMOs have to also, uh, um, be tied back to the bottom line and show ROI these days. And so it's, that's where, what, what we do here at our property is we never cookie cutter something. Everything's customized what we do when we work with brands. So take our sponsor Westcom. It's a very organic relationship. It's a credit union. Mm -hmm. They have a credit union on campus. They offer, you know, as incoming students, they also offer, um, programming so financial guidance and they you know so we we touch every element there um we are putting a gaming cafe on campus as well esports very nice um so that that's how we're able to work together with the campus and again you know by working together we're able to deliver for everybody and make sure each party's reaching their goals that's really fascinating you'd mentioned the esports um I'm not familiar. Does UCLA, I know a lot of campuses or, or uh, colleges are now creating athletic programs around esports. Are you starting at the campus level and then kind of transitioning into your athletic departments there? Or where do you see that? Um, so UCLA has a very active esports team. They have, that. this is through Campus Life, and they have a gentleman that runs their esports team. They have, a, they have their own um, facility within the rec center. Um, and they actively put on tournaments and stuff. This one is, this is a separate cafe that will go in the student union and be open to the public. Right. 
And so very similar to what you're seeing be built up across the country um, where they have different cafes. So in terms of athletics, sure, we've talked to um, we've talked to athletics alumni about having competitions. Um, and it's just getting those up and running. Um, Learfield has a partnership with a company called Mainline that's a platform for tournaments. Okay. Um, but then also nationally, they have Level Next. So um, our company, while we've been traditional media marketing rights, definitely with our new uh, CEO, Cole, we're also expanding our tech platform between eSports, you know, Fan365, the retargeting. Um, and really trying to be a one-stop shop for everybody. That's great. And, uh, you know, knowing that we're at our, our sort of nearing the end of our time here, I always like to look to the future and, you know, what excites, yeah. uh, excites us both professionally, Crystal personally, yeah. and, you know, with, with uh, UCLA and more specifically the Rose Bowl, it's a world-renowned, you know, there's a lot of history around it. And, you know, a lot of times we see w- when it comes to properties like that, that there's a rich history, there's this conventionalism that sticks around in the facility, and it's a very slow churn into bringing it into the 21st century or even beyond. So talk to us about maybe if you experience that there at the Rose Bowl and then, you know, what does the future look like for the facility? Yeah, uh, perfect timing and great question. So the Rose Bowl <laughs> turns 100 in 2022. Wow. Um, October 28th this year, 2021, is the 99th birthday. So we're kicking off our centennial campaign. And um, you are correct. The Rose Bowl does need quite a few upgrades, especially if you think about a stadium being dormant for all respects, what, 18 months or so. Sure. We've got a big, our operations team, who's amazing, has a huge task ahead of them um, in terms of opening the building. So UCLA opens against Hawaii, but our game over Labor Day is LSU, and they travel. Wow. Wow. I think we experienced some technical difficulty here. Tracy, are you with us? I'm here. Okay. We, uh, we, we, we froze up a little bit, but I think you just landed. You, you were saying um, LSU and they travel. That's where we yeah, lost you. So, yeah, LSU um, and they travel well, but we also, the Rose Bowl definitely has upgrades that are needed, like any, any older stadium. So, um, whether it's the seats or just even um, behind the scenes type of stuff to keep it operational. Um, and, and during COVID, the city the city owns the Rose Bowl. So during COVID, the Rose Bowl operating company was able to do a survey to to assess where, where are those needs, where is growth, should we do an amphitheater, or are we going to do miniature golf or top tracer? Um, so I think um, you'll we'll see some stuff on the horizon, but it's definitely if if you can ever go, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. To be able to experience. Well, I'm looking to get there sooner than later because, you know, I'll tell you why, uh, for a couple of reasons, but on a personal level, uh, I have a 12 year old daughter, um, right as she's turning 18 or so, you know, I'm, I envision myself being on the West coast. So we're already planting seeds at West school, West coast schools. <laughs> so we, we did drive by the campus uh, in June here. So, uh, you know, maybe that can make her, her, uh, her top three, so to speak. But, you know, I, I think, you know, this could be fascinating if we do have a follow-up 
podcast, yeah. you know, in six Love months to. from now or maybe in February after the Rose Bowl, uh, perhaps, and, and kind of talk about the year and, you know, what you were able to overcome, what you've implemented. And, um, yeah, that, that could be really unique. So uh, I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I think, um, you know, we're just excited to get the season kicked off. And obviously, similar, we're on watch like everybody else. And sure. the great thing that, you know, one of the coolest things I feel like, knowing I'm from Texas and all that, that all of the LA venues have worked together. And so our, our people are constantly in contact with the Dodgers and Dignity Health and stuff. And, and it was really cool to see everybody come together um, during this and plan the reopening to be to to go across all of the venues so yeah. and follow all of the same guidelines and I just I think that's that that's a cool thing for fans so they won't be caught off guard yeah absolutely and I so. think that's a real testament to the will of our people right and and being able to kind of handle adversity together and and really come together yep. and whatever happens competitively on the field stays there but you know we all have lives and you know personal relationships so it's that's nice to hear so well yep. Tracy uh you know let's do it okay maybe you know we can set it here today's August August 5th February 5th we'll regroup in 2022 here Great. so Tracy um where can our listeners find you, reach out, any follow-up, anything that you're comfortable with sharing here online, knowing that it's going to be uh, sure. in the ether, if you will. So where can we find sure. you? Sure, I'm on LinkedIn, which it's Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y, and my last name's Tag, T-A-G-U-E. I say LinkedIn because if I read off my email, it is the longest email in history, <laughs> right. but it's UCLA Rose Bowl Sports Properties. So, but it is definitely on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for joining. And I'm already looking forward to uh, part two of our interview. So uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, this is James with the MVP podcast, and uh, we will be talking to you soon. Thank you.